Psalm 32, a psalm of David. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all of you who are upright in heart. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We do pray now as we come to uh, apply our minds to it that uh, you would be uh, moulding our hearts as well. And we uh, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Roman Kravznoski is a mild-mannered Israeli garbage man. Ever heard of him? Well, he's uh, just an ordinary bloke in many ways. <clears throat> Most mornings you'll find him doing the rounds on the garbage truck, uh, emptying people's wheelie bins. And as far as his workmates knew, uh, he was just one, of the, just one of the boys, just one of them. But this uh, particular garbage collector had a big secret because... Uh, he's not only Roman Kravznoski, the Israeli garbage man, he's also Roman Kravznoski, the world-famous concert organist. I don't know if you saw the story about him on the news the other day. Fascinating story. One of those really good, uh, interesting, uh, uh, good news, good for you kind of stories. He had a secret. Uh, he plays Bach, he plays Beethoven in some of the world's most famous cathedrals like St Paul's in London or uh, Notre Dame in Paris. Uh, recently he played organ for uh, 3,000 people in Taipei in Taiwan and he managed to keep this secret from all of his workmates. Uh, but now they know. Uh, when he was interviewed on television, uh, well, when his workmates were interviewed on television the other day, one of them said this. He said, I've been working with him for seven years. I had no idea how important he is. How about that? Guy's been working with him for seven years 
and had no idea that he was a world-famous concert organist. By the way, why do you think he also worked as a garbage man? To pay the bills. There's no money in playing a concert organ, uh, especially in Israel when there aren't too many cathedrals. So it's a nice feel-good story about someone with a secret. But often, and, and I kind of appreciate that because often when you hear news on, stories on the news about someone who's had a secret that they've been concealing, it's usually a bad secret, isn't it? It's usually something uh, which they've been covering up because of guilt or a pride. You know, sometimes we can do that. Uh, indeed, uh, it's possible to even attempt to do that with God himself, to keep secrets from God. Uh, there was a time in the life of King David, Israel's king, uh, where he tried to present himself to everybody as being the noble, uh, competent, uh, successful and godly ruler over Israel. But in his heart, he was carrying a secret. He had been sleeping with the wife of another man. Do you remember that story? Uh, David in his sin with Bathsheba. That was this one thing that he was not telling. He wasn't telling anyone. Uh, he wasn't even telling God. Today I want us to look at Psalm 32, which uh, Joanne read for us earlier on. I wonder if you can open it up in your Bibles on page 395. Uh, it is a very helpful psalm in many, many ways. And, uh, you know, the, the frustration I have in the short sermon is we can't do it justice but it's a great psalm because it's, it's about this issue of coming clean with God. And so if you have a look at uh, Psalm 32, uh, one of the first things you notice there is who wrote it. It was written by King David. And it's about a time in David's life when he came clean with God. Now, we don't know exactly what it was that he was hiding uh, it may or may not have been his sin against Bathsheba. It may have been a specific sin that he had committed, uh, that he was hiding. It may not have been a specific sin. It may have been uh, one of those kind of entrenched issues of character that he was not facing up to, uh, like jealousy or pride or arrogance or selfishness. We're not told what the sin is, but we are told what his strategy was. It was the cover-up strategy, the secret life strategy. But in verses 1 through to 5, David starts the psalm by describing for us uh, the type of person who is truly blessed by God. What sort of person do you think that is, by the way? Um, we often think about the blessings that God has given us and what makes us blessed. Uh, we can think of the blessing of family or the blessing of a great job or the blessing of a house. What, who is the truly blessed person? Well, here we see that the truly blessed person is the forgiven person, the person whose transgressions are forgiven, the person whose sins are covered, the person whose sins the Lord will not count against them. That's the blessed person, the sinner 
who has been forgiven by God. But notice something else about this person. In verse 2, this person is without deceit. Now, I think that this is one of the keys to being truly happy. Uh, the, the key of being honest and open and not deceitful. And David experienced the happiness that comes from not being deceitful. Uh, in verse 3, David tried to deceive God by his silence. He knew he was guilty. He kept his mouth shut, especially to God. And friends, that is not a smart thing to do. It is never smart to conceal sin from God. Because when we conceal sin, when we harbour sin in our heart, when we do not face up to sin, it has devastating consequences. In the next life, unless we're forgiven, it has debilitating consequences in this life. And we see some of that in verses 3 and 4. Let me read those for you. He says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Now, that's kind of imagery that we can relate to, isn't it? The idea of your strength being sapped as in the heat of summer. Uh, you want to try that one? Try walking home from church this afternoon and you'll know what it is to be sapped of your strength. And that's, that's how David felt. Uh, it, it is this, this imagery of being, of being wasted, of being exhausted, of, of, of not having the strength to, uh, to do the things that which he would like to do. And so his experience was that he went downhill. Uh, physically went downhill. Now, this is what sin does. Uh, I have known Christians who have been, as it's turned out, concealing significant sin in their lives and have emotionally become very unwell, have become sapped of their strength and unable to function. And it seems to me that sometimes that's because they know how they should be living. They know how God wants them to live. They know how other people expect them to be living and think that they are actually living. But they know different. They know that they're not living that way at all. And so that there is this disconnect, there is this conflict between their, their mind, which says this is how you ought to be living, and their heart says, yeah, but I know how I am actually living. And that uh, can make life miserable. Uh, they, they find it very difficult to keep on uh, living with their hypocrisy. Uh, and in cases I've seen people go very downhill, uh, become sick. And as we've actually uh, pastored people in that situation, uh, they have confessed the sin that they've been committing. And perhaps that's why in the book of James it says, anyone, if you're sick, first confess your sins. Don't conceal your sins to Almighty God. So what is the way forward? Well, the way forward is simply to come clean with God, uh, to stop the deceit, to stop the pretense. And so the, so the only remedy for deceiving silence 
is honest speech. We see that in verse 5. In verse 5, David says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, he's talking to God, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, this week we've all been glued to our TV sets, haven't we? Uh, It's been a terrible week, a disastrous week in many respects. Uh, We've heard a lot about that that big dam just outside of Brisbane. What's it called again? The, the, yeah, everyone knows about the Wyvernhoe Dam now, don't we? Uh, We've never heard of it before, but uh, everyone knows the Wyvernhoe Dam. I don't know, I I heard somewhere that uh, it had reached 163% of its capacity. Now, I don't know how you reach 163% more of, of your capacity than what you... But the bottom line is that unless they released water from that dam, irrespective of the fact that they were releasing the water into the river system that was going to flood Brisbane, that unless they released water from that dam, the result was going to be catastrophic. Catastrophic. The dam would collapse. Uh, There was one, one writer who said this about Psalm 32 and confession. Uh, He said, and I quote, Confession is like opening the floodgate of a great dam. When there is no confession, when you conceal your sin, when you harbour your sin, when there is no confession, the water piles up behind the dam, uh, creating immense pressure on the wall, but as soon as the floodgate is opened there is a great release, a great release. And that is what David found. David found a great release. Some honest, humble talking to God and the burden of the guilt was lifted from his shoulders. What we see here, uh, friends, is the gospel in the Old Testament. Uh, David found forgiveness. Uh, His sin was not simply covered over. Uh, When it says in verse 1, I think, that uh, blessed is the man whose sins are covered, that doesn't mean covered over. That doesn't mean like swept under the carpet uh, because in the line above it where it says blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, uh, the word in the Hebrew for forgiven there means lifted off. And so to be covered means to be dealt with. (laughs) Blessed is such a man. This is the gospel in the Old Testament. And uh, what we see here is that it was God's plan that the guilt of David's sin would be dealt with in the future by the sacrifice of another, by Jesus. So some people sometimes ask the question, how were the Old Testament people forgiven? They're forgiven because of what God had planned would happen. The death of Jesus applies to them. I wonder if you might come with me, keep your bulletin or something in Psalm 32, and just come with me for a moment to 1 John chapter 1. It's a great passage that deals with 
this idea of sin and confession. In 1 John chapter 1, you'll find that on page 862 in your Red Pew Bibles. I'm going to read from verse 6 through to verse 11. I'll just give you a moment. Okay, everyone got that? Okay, verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and get this, the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. You get the idea? You know, John thinks that sin exists, doesn't he? Uh, John thinks that sin is a reality and indeed that if a person denies sin, if they deny that they're a sinner, if they claim to be without sin, then they're having themselves on, aren't they? But if we confess our sins, he will forgive us because of the purifying work of Jesus. So the Old Testament men and women who trusted in God are saved by the same sacrifice which saves us. It's only because of the blood of Jesus that anyone can be forgiven. And friends, there is nothing better than being forgiven, especially by God. What do you experience when you experience forgiveness? We know it even in our own human relationships, don't we? Where we know that we are out of relationship with someone because of the way that we have acted towards them. And we're sorry about that. And there is this great experience when the person says, I forgive you. Everything is okay between you and me. When we're forgiven by God, there is this peace of conscience and there is this great joy in our hearts. It means a fresh start. And so in verses 6 through to 11, the psalm gives us some great advice. Have a look at verse 6. In verse 6, David says, Therefore, and he's speaking to God, he says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely, when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Now, here's the choice. You can hide your sins or you can hide in God. There's only, only two options. And what David is saying here is come clean with God. Come clean. Now, on Tuesday, our family was uh, kind of glued to the TV set. Uh, especially what was interesting was when they were, uh, the authorities were issuing warnings to people who lived in certain parts of Brisbane and, on the, and the towns outside of Brisbane and they were 
identifying particular places and they were saying if you live in this place you need to leave your home now and you need to go and find higher ground. Do you remember that? Okay. Well, there's a guy from who used to be a member of our church here, uh, a young man, a single young man, and he lived in one of those areas. And he doesn't have a car, and uh, we were just very concerned for his well-being, so we wanted to contact him. The kids don't use telephones these days, so you know, communicate via you know the computer, the laptop, that sort of thing. We got on to him and said, "Hey, you got to get out of there. Have you seen the warnings? You got to get out." You've got to head for higher ground. Just take what you need and go. Right? Well, friends, in verse 6, God is that higher ground. Uh, when we come clean with God, it's like you're in a flood, but the waters are not going to rise and overtake you because you are on higher ground. You are on safe ground. What it's saying is that God will forgive you, but that he will also protect you. And later on in these verses, we see that he will guide you so that you stop being the person who you were and you start becoming the person God wants you to be. And that is true blessedness. That is true happiness. Now, it starts with confession. Uh, there are, of course, uh, some churches that say that you need to confess your sins to a priest, don't they? Well, what we see here is that that's nonsense. Uh, the invitation here is to confess your sins directly to God, your Heavenly Father. You don't need to go through a priest. It's something which we do individually as part of our relationship with God. Mind you, the Bible does also talk about a different kind of confession that Christians ought to be practising. And uh, it's in the book of James, in James chapter 5, verse 16, uh, where we are told to confess our sins to, can you tell me? To one another. Now, it's not talking about the reverend one another. It's talking about us as a fellowship as, of, of believers. You see, uh, what we were saying earlier on with respect to the home groups and that sort of thing is that uh, as a church we are a lot more than just a Sunday service. Uh, we are a, a family of God's people. We are a community of God's people and uh, we uh, have relationships with each other. We connect with each other. We love and serve each other in all sorts of ways. And the great value in meeting in the youth groups and the Bible study groups and the other activities that the church organises, as well as Sunday, is we're actually able to get to know each other personally and build those connections. Because you don't want to go and confess your sins to someone you don't know. Right? It's about relationship. And confessing our sins uh, to each other may seem like a very heavy thing to do, isn't it? Well, frankly, sometimes it is a very heavy thing to do. Um, for example, a Christian person may be uh, trapped in some kind of an addiction to a particular sinful activity like pornography or immorality of some sort. And, you know, they are burdened. Uh, by their guilt and the fear of being uh, found out and the shame 
And, you know, in that, you can understand why it wouldn't necessarily be appropriate just to blurt that out, you know, at supper time after a Bible study on, you know, Tuesday night or in the ladies' Bible study group or whatever. Uh, but yet to speak to someone privately, uh, someone who you trust, someone who is mature, someone who is a godly Christian friend who can listen, who can counsel, who can pray for you and can provide some sort of future accountability, uh, someone who can help you to appreciate the forgiveness and the grace of God, that is often the first step towards recovery and becoming the kind of person that God wants you to be. Uh, then there are other areas of sin where it may be appropriate to, uh, to be just open and honest and frank, uh, even in a group of Christians, uh, in Bible study and so on. You know, like the, the, the problems that are common, uh, such as, you know, you, you might have a problem with impatience or with uh, controlling your, your temper, uh, anger uh, or uh, jealousy. Uh, or, or you realise that your Christian witness in the workplace or at home or in your neighbourhood is not really as good as it should be. And it can be very helpful to confess those things to our Christian friends, even in a group. Because guess what? You might actually find out that others in the group experience the same thing and are struggling with the same issues. Or you might find that, hey, everyone actually knew that about you in any case, but because you've been a bit proud, uh, they've been reluctant to speak to you about it. But hey, now you've actually expressed some humility and uh, swallowed your pride, and they're far more free to speak to you about it. You might also find that there is now a wealth of godly counsel open to you, and others can pray for you. One of the most influential Christians of all time was a man by the name of Augustine. Anyone heard of Augustine? He lived, I think, in the 4th and the 5th centuries uh, AD. And uh, the story about Augustine is that when he was a young man, that he was not a Christian, he was very, very ungodly, uh, he lived a sexually immoral lifestyle, uh, until he found out about this word forgiveness until he found out about the forgiveness that can come through Jesus and his death on the cross. And uh, Augustine uh, was very moved by that and he turned his life over to Jesus, trusted in him and he was changed. He became one of the greatest uh, Christian leaders and theologians who's ever lived. Can you guess what psalm was Augustine's favourite psalm? Well, he says it was Psalm 32. And uh, this is one thing that he once said. Listen to what Augustine said about uh, confessing your sin. He said, and I quote, The beginning of knowledge is to know oneself to be a sinner. End of quote. The beginning of knowledge is to know that you're a sinner in the eyes of a holy God. There are some people who hate that idea. Uh, and you'll, you'll hear it a lot in, um, in our world uh, as people uh, reflect on this. Uh, there are people who say, I even heard a so-called televangelist 
uh, say this. He said that this idea that people are sinners is a horribly negative view of self. A horribly negative view of self. He said it must not be preached and it must not be believed because you destroy people by telling them that they're sinners. Uh, He would say that that destroys their self-esteem. But friends, it is actually a liberating truth because unless a person admits that they are a sinner, then they're never going to turn to God, are they? And if they're never going to turn to God, then his hand is going to be on them. And if his hand is on them, then they're never going to find forgiveness. They will never find the freedom and the joy and the liberty and the, of having a relationship with their creator. Take a look at what David says in verse 9. He says, Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Now, what is a a mule famous for? Being stubborn. Mules are stubborn. What's he saying? He says, don't be like a stubborn mule. Don't be like a stubborn horse that constantly requires restraint and, and control, lest it gallop away. Don't be stubborn about this. Stop kidding yourself. Don't be a stubborn mule, instead be a forgiven sinner. That's what he's saying. And friends, this is important for you and me today. Because if you have never truly turned your life over to God, if you have never truly humbled yourself and said to God, Lord, I am a sinner. I don't love you as much as I should. I've rebelled against you. I need forgiveness. Please forgive me through Jesus. If you've never come to that point in your life, then the word here is that that is not something which you can afford to keep on putting off. Uh, Every time you say no, then what happens is you reinforce the stubbornness of your heart. And you get used to saying no. I remember a, a man in my previous church. He was a, uh, he'd been in the church as a member for the whole of his life. His uh, parents and his grandparents and probably his great-grandparents had been part of the church as well. It was a very old church. And uh, he was in church every Sunday. Uh, he sung in the choir. He was uh, a member of a Bible study group my Bible study group, and uh, everyone thought of him as being one of the stalwarts of the church, the guy who's always there, the guy who's always on the door, the guy who's always in the choir, the guy who's always at Bible study and never fail, one of the stalwarts of the church. Until one day there was a knock on my door, and it was him. He came and sat down, and uh, he was almost in tears. Uh, as he confessed his sin to me. He said, Scott, I've been in this church all my life. I hear the gospel being preached all the time. I'm here today to tell you that I've never turned my life over to God, that I've been stubborn 
I've been a churchgoer, not a Christian. And he said, but it's time to come clean. It's time to change that. He was actually just about to marry one of the girls in the church. I was going to marry them. And he said to me, look, I can't marry her. Because I've not only deceiving her, I've been deceiving God. I've been deceiving everyone. Help me. And so uh, he came to the Lord and confessed his sin and uh, put his trust in Jesus. You know, um, in many ways, his, the outward appearance of his life just didn't change. He's still in church every Sunday, still singing in the choir, still in Bible study group. But inwardly, there was a joy. There was a liberty. There was a freedom of a man who had experienced my sins have been lifted from my shoulders. I was talking to some friends the other day who uh, have Bible study with him and his wife every week and they say it's great being with them. Uh, Joyful, uh, godly Christians now. And so I mention this to you because I want to say to you it's possible for you to be in this church today and to have never actually confessed your sins to God and asked for forgiveness. And the message of the psalm in verse 6 is that you must pray to God whilst he may still be found. That this is not something to keep on putting off. There's no scope for delay here. You need to do it. You need to come clean with God. And when you do, you'll be blessed. You'll be truly happy. Now, maybe you are a Christian, but just like David, you know that over the years your heart has changed a bit. It's grown a little bit cool. Uh, Your desire to change and your desire to grow in godliness and your hungering and thirsting after righteousness has kind of faded a little bit. You know, there might have been earlier days in your Christian life when you felt a whole lot more comfortable about confessing your sins to your Christian friends and wrestling with those issues together and helping one another. But as you've grown older, you've slipped a bit and you've developed habitual sin. And friends, it's harder to come clean, but it's never too late. Come clean, you must, because you'll find a forgiving God. Now, John Piper says this about God's forgiveness, and I'll close with these remarks. He says, if you receive God's gift of forgiveness, you will have peace. You will be a secure person. You will not need the approval of others or the ego supports of wealth, power and revenge because you will be free. You will overflow with love and you will lay down your life in the cause of Christ. So friends, our message today is that we must learn again the joy that comes from being honest with God and honest with each other. Let's pray. Father, you are a holy God and we are unrighteous sinners. Father, we confess that we have not always put you first in our lives that we've not loved you in the way that we ought, that we have missed the mark 
and we have rebelled against you. Father, we pray that you would forgive us by the blood of Jesus shed on our behalf. We thank you that we can have that forgiveness. We pray that we would always remember what Jesus has done for us. Remember that our relationship with you is not because of how good we are or how committed we are, but rather it's because of the free gift of forgiveness. And therefore, may we be people who are humble and not proud. May we be people who are prepared to be open and honest with you and ourselves and even with each other that we might help one another to grow and to become more the people that you would have us be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.